This is episode 67 of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hi there, friends. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Kindred Mom Podcast. We are the second episode in November and starting to wrap up our year over at kindredmom.com for a nice December break. I hope that you are excited for the holidays coming up and have wonderful plans with your family. Today's episode is about the gift of repetition, and we're talking about routines and rhythms and how there are so many aspects of motherhood that we repeat, whether it's repeating the baby phase when you have your second or third or fourth baby, um, whether it is just the repetition in our daily routines and things that our kids need every day. Um, I am excited to share these following conversations with you. And the first half of the show includes Lindsay Cornett and Robin Chapman. And we're talking about what this looks like in our own families on a daily basis, uh, some of the rhythms that we have incorporated into our lives. And then the second half of the show, I have a special guest. Her name is Jen Giles Kemper, and she is the creator of the Sacred Ordinary Days Planner, which includes uh, some liturgical elements to it. Um, I am not as familiar with liturgical church calendar kind of stuff, but Jenna is very knowledgeable and has some wonderful insight in how to create rhythms that really work for your family. I hope you enjoy that conversation, and I hope you'll check out her Sacred Ordinary Days Planner. Thanks for listening. This episode, we're going to be talking about the gift of repetition, which is an idea. I think Robin brought it up when we were planning the series topics for this month in The Humble Life, and she referred to it as a liturgy of motherhood. And so today I have Lindsay Cornett and Robin Chapman chatting with me about this topic. Um, and we're going to be talking about a number of different things related to repetition in our lives as moms. Ladies, thank you so much for being here. Hey, it's good to talk to you again. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I think that this is going to be a great episode to just share our experiences with routine or maybe lack of routine mm -hmm. and how that impacts our families and ourselves, really, um, and repetition, rhythms, routines, um, all of that stuff, I think, is the direction I'm looking to go with this conversation. But what um, are some of the things that you have found are essential pieces in your day with your kids to help set you guys in a good direction? That is a great question. I will just say off the bat that this is something that I struggle with. Mm -hmm. I like routine and I like rhythm, but I also have the hardest time establishing it. I think this is part of my personality, um, but I really, really struggle with establishing habits and establishing rhythms. I, like I said, I love the idea of it. And I especially see with my, one of my children in particular, that he really likes a predictable day. He wants to know what is happening and when. Um, but that is hard for me. And I think that's one of the reasons why, like, I'm so in awe of you ladies who homeschool your <laughs> children, because I like rhythm and routine, but I need somebody else <laughs> to force me into it. 
to tell yeah. me how it's going to go and what the rules are yeah. and that sort of thing. So that's what my son just started school again this year for mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. And that is immensely helpful. Even just that for me, like I feel like there's a sort of parameter around our day a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you know, our life is kind of in a season of transition. We just moved to a new city and a new home. And like I said, my son started a new school. My other two children seem to be giving up their naps. And so oh. our, yeah, <laughs> our rhythms and our routines are changing right now. I feel a little bit up in the air. So I'm looking forward to this conversation because it is something that I need to spend a little time thinking about and processing. Because my only initial response to that first thing you were saying, Emily, was nap time. That was my mm-hmm. answer to that question. Like, what is kind of an essential rhythm in your day with your children? Yeah. But that's going away. And yeah. I'm not really sure what to do about that. I just want to say there is life after nap time because I haven't had nap time <laughs> for a lot that. of years. <laughs> and <laughs> you find new ways to break up the day and have a reset. Um, so I just want to say it's not the end of the world. It is a change. Yeah. I appreciate that. I think like you ask, what are some essential pieces? And really, the more I think about it, like I'm not like Lindsay said, uh, I'm also not good at um, making my own rhythms Mm -hmm. and stuff. And the things that my day revolves around are like food and sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, But even just with those things, and then you've got, you know, food that needs prepared and you've got, you need to clean up after a meal. You got to get kids ready, like the little ones ready for nap or bed. And that's like its own process. Um, and like all, all of those really mundane things, like everybody needs to wear clothes. So you got to do laundry sometimes, even just with those really boring things that aren't, it's not like, it's really important to us to read aloud every afternoon after Jenna gets home, which is by the way, a thing that I want to mm-hmm. do, but we haven't, it hasn't become a thing yet. Mm-hmm. But I think just the, the really basic, very human mm-hmm. needs are part of why I was thinking about liturgy as relates to motherhood anyway, because it reminds, it reminds me of my humanity. Like we're hungry and we need to eat we're tired or somebody's tired and yeah. they need rest and um, like just reminding us of, of limits and humanity and the things that everybody yeah. deals with. And I think that it's a good idea to talk about the term liturgy. I know um, Lindsay has some thoughts about this. I'd love for you to share with us what you wanted to say about the term liturgy. Yeah. You know, this is something that I did not even know this word until, I don't know, maybe like five or six years ago. It was totally (laughs) new to me. Um, And I think especially for those people who are listening who don't consider themselves Christians, it might seem especially foreign. But even for me as someone who grew up in church, I did not grow up in a church Mm -hmm. tradition that emphasized or talked about liturgy at Mm -hmm. all. But basically, it's this idea that there are certain rituals that make up how we worship. And Mm -hmm. so often you hear about it in the context of a church service, that there is a certain prayer that always is repeated at the beginning of the service or that we always say the same things as we take communion together. It's something that is kind of repeated and it gets, it becomes really familiar to the congregation over time. And for me, like I was saying, I'm not super great at 
establishing rhythms and routines. But what I did need to learn to do, and this is an ongoing thing, is to sort of embrace the Mm -hmm. rhythms of motherhood, right? This, um, Mm -hmm. just this idea that so much of our days are repetitive, right? Caring for small people um, is not always like a fun, (laughs) brand new adventure every day. A lot of it is the same. A lot of it happens in these like small, quiet moments um, of teaching and training and nurturing. And like you're saying, Robin, feeding and all of these things. Um, and for me, I have had to learn to embrace that a little bit. And one of the ways that I do that is I, I try to think about it as liturgy, that this is a way mm-hmm. that I connect to kind of the sacred, really meaningful, important parts of this job. Um, that just like, you know, Jesus ate food with his friends and he had alone time when he wanted to pray, right? That these are simple things, but they're important and they are holy and sacred. And, you know, I've sort of, I wrote on Instagram one time, I was kind of telling this story about a massive meltdown that my son had before school and that I also entered into with him. Like I did not respond well. I slammed doors and I yelled and, you know, the whole thing. And, um, and we were able to kind of reconcile and apologize and, and get off and have a, a fine day after that. But I think part of that's like the liturgy of parenthood, right? That we do our best, we make mistakes, mm-hmm. we make amends and we try again, right? That's true for us. It's true for our kids. Yeah. Um, and it just is helpful for me to kind of think about motherhood yeah. in these terms. Well, and like the rhythm of rupture and repair that is just mm-hmm. essential to relationship. Um, yes, yeah. I read this teeny tiny book, I don't know, probably back in 2015 or something, um, but it's kind of stuck with me. And I just read another one by the same lady. Anyway, this book is called The Quotidian Mysteries, La- Laundry, Liturgy, and Women's Work by Kathleen Norris. And she said... Laundry, liturgy, and women's work all serve to ground us in the world, and they need not grind us down. Our daily tasks, whether we perceive them as drudgery or essential life-supporting work, do not define who we are as women or as human beings. And I just think seeing seeing it as life-supporting work, but that isn't mm-hmm. doesn't define us, it has has been a really helpful shift to me. As we've, yeah, as we've moved forward, because there's, you know, just the, just the daily needs that we have, be they, you know, food and sleep or, um, apologizing mm-hmm. again yeah. for entering somebody's meltdown, mm-hmm. which I've <laughs> definitely never done, uh, never. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, this topic is yeah. really meaningful to me because I have a fairly free-spirited, creative mind that has a hard time <laughs> with order. And, you know, I, I would say that I am mentally organized. I have a lot of details that I can hold in spaces in my mind. And that's great. My physical home, I've had to work really hard to have rhythms and routines here that will work for us. And I think the hardest part of it all is that they change all the time. So it's a constant, Mm -hmm. like kind of evaluating where we are and what each of my kids need and what the season particularly is. And, you know, because sometimes it's, well, we've had several weeks of sickness. We just need to hold down the fort and be really 
at home. And other times it's we're on the go, we're at classes, we're at this group, we're at that group, we went to the park, you know, and it's a lot more on the move. And I think um, when we title this episode, um, The Gift of Repetition, I think that that in some way is something I've arrived to as an understanding that being able to repeat the same processes with our kids again and again are something that help establish some deeper sense of connection between me and them, as well as with each other, um, some of our shared family uh, activities that we love to do all the time. Um, we've been doing this thing lately that has been, I always feel like I'm going to say this word wrong. So for the people who know how it's pronounced, please do not judge me. <laughs> um, but we've been doing charcuterie nights at our house. Ooh, where yes. we like basically prepare a feast on the table with, you know, grapes and different cheeses and different, you know, cold cuts and stuff like that. And it's been such a fun thing. I just, we did it last week and I was telling my husband, I was like, I want to do this every time we have like a special event. Like we have other favorite food things that we do as a family as well. But this one is like, because the kids are helping to wash the grapes and one is, you know, helping to arrange the cheese on the platter. And I don't know, it's just, like something that we can all do together. And I feel like every time that we go to the effort to do that as a family, um, it's just such a meaningful time because everybody remembers, oh yeah, this is what we're doing. And this is how we do it. And that's really cool. Yeah. The, well, it's nice too, because nobody can complain about dinner because they basically get to put what they want on their own plates. <laughs> what they want on their plates. We I do the same thing sometimes we call, I call it yeah. a fancy picnic. Um, and basically I tell them like, we're eating picnic food, but it's fancy because we're doing it yeah. at the dinner table. And my children, the first time I like put that platter of fruit and crackers and stuff in front of them. And I told them they could just grab what they wanted. They looked at me like I had <laughs> lost my mind. And then the smiles yeah. on their faces, they were just yeah. like thrilled. But I love the idea of like, doing it more yeah. regularly. I think that's really sweet. That's, <laughs> that's a great so idea. funny. You guys are like, like fancy picnic. Like I, I literally pulled pepperoni out of the freezer for lunch today and three pieces <laughs> on each of their plates. <laughs> Basically the same, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It's the same. I know. It's not funny. It's like the easiest meal you'll ever prepare, but it feels yeah, fancy. Also being mm. at the kitchen sink is somewhat of a lit liturgical experience for me. Mm, um, me too. I think for a lot of years, I would say doing the dishes has been one of my least favorite jobs, especially as we added kids and the mess got exponentially more than when it was just two of us, three of us, four of us. And I don't know, it's been a really sacred place for me to just allow my hands to do the washing. And I really meet with God in that space. That's a place where, um, you know, if I'm having a tough day with any one of my kids and I just need a minute, I'll just go start the dishes <laughs> because mm -hmm. it's just a place where mm. I feel like the water running over my hands as I'm cleansing the dishes. Like it's just a place to pause. It's a place where sometimes I have a little speaker that I put up in my, I, I open the cupboard door and I set it in the cupboard so that it at least won't get wet from the dishes. <laughs> um, and it's just right in my ear. And I usually put on encouraging songs that just help me 
move past my frustrations. And I just, I really feel like God has met me in that place many, many different Mm -hmm. times to the point where I don't dread going to the dishes after. At this Mm -hmm. point, like I don't still love it. It's not my favorite job, but it's kind of like I know what I will get out of that time if I just show up and do it is worth more than avoiding it. And so with repetition, also, I have found, um, at least for my kids, one of the staple things that we never change is their bedtime. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that is really, really helpful. I will say with a caveat in the summer, that bedtime is a little bit later than during the school year, but it's, you know, it's not like night to night. It is okay. Some nights it's nine o'clock. Other times it's seven o'clock. It's um, (laughs) during the school year, especially we just do seven 30 and the bigger kids, they're not ready to sleep at seven 30, but they do have to chill out and be, you know, ready for bed. And usually with a book for a little while, um, while the other littler ones are ready to drift off to sleep. That has been something that just makes our evenings a lot more peaceful. And Mm -hmm. sometimes the half hour leading up to 7.30 (laughs) is not Not so awesome because it just takes some real doing to to go by that timetable. But um, I think that my kids getting enough rest um, during the night has been a huge help for the daytime challenges that we have. Yeah. What is that thing that Kobe yells? JPB. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, my husband a couple years ago started whenever we were upstairs because our house is two levels and we sleep downstairs, but the upstairs is our main level with our living and dining room and kitchen. And so when we've been, especially been watching TV or something together, he will flip the TV off and he'll say J-T-B, which means Jammy's Teeth Bed. And that's just the order of operations for everybody to get into gear with that. And what's funny is now the kids, if he turns off the TV, someone else will say (laughs) J-T-B. And it just kind of kicks off like everybody's moving this direction now. And so it's a little bit goofy, but at the same time, it really has worked that everybody knows what that signal mm-hmm. means. Um, he does throw other letters in that lineup sometimes when, you know, because if it's JTB, that means the lights go off once you get in your bed, um, mm-hmm. which is a little bit more what happens during the summer because we're up just a little bit later. But during school year, you know, if it's, it might be seven when he says JTRB <laughs> and you, uh. get to, you get to read for the time before 730 hits. And so, um yeah, I just I think it's a goofy little funny thing, but that is a nightly ritual. I like that. Speaking of bedtime rituals, we have mm-hmm. kind of added a new thing since we moved that I'm really enjoying so far. And I got this idea from a book. It's mm-hmm. called Faithful Families, Creating Sacred Moments at Home. And it's by Tracy Smith. Have either of you read this? I have not, oh. but it sounds good. Okay. It's it's super simple. It is a very quick read because it's not a lot of narrative. It's basically just like step-by-step mm-hmm. instructions for kind of different activities, different um, faith-based practices and traditions that you can try in your family. And one of the very first ones in the book, I just really loved. And I mean it, it is like the simplest thing in the whole world. It kind of sounds almost silly. Maybe it's so simple, but I got a piece of poster board and every night, the very last thing we do before it's lights out and they're supposed to go to sleep is I, one of the kids gets a sticker and they add a sticker to the poster. And at the top of the poster, I wrote, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That Bible verse. Um, but 
obviously you don't even have to do that. And it's just the idea that like when we put the sticker on the board, another day is done. And you can kind of see the stickers accumulating as time goes on. Um, At some point, I assume it will be full and we will have to move on to a new one. But it's just kind of like a way to mark the passage of Mm. time and kind of like a moment where we stop and we kind of say like, okay, God, thank you for this day that has passed. Like another day is over. And we just put the sticker on the board. And um, I don't know, it's, it's, Again, it is like the simplest kind of silliest little thing, but I just really love it. It's just kind of, as long as I'm not yelling at someone to like hurry up and put the sticker already, <laughs> right. it's like a really peaceful kind of just one final thing mm-hmm. to end the day instead of like, can you sing one more song and wait, I need a water. Like it's just like a, a period yeah. basically at the end of my mm-hmm. kid's day. Oh, I like and that. I really like it. It's been really yeah. nice so far. I think that's wonderful. And, you know, we've, We've had different things over the years that have punctuated the end of the day. I think another thing I wanted to talk about in this episode is just um, making a habit of spending time or giving some space for catching or casting vision for our lives as moms. And, you know, Mm. this could be called different things, um, but I myself, I do this in two parts. One, I will do planning one day ahead, which I think I've talked about on the podcast before, that when I'm kind of winding down for the evening, I sketch out on a physical piece of paper the things that need my attention the next day, both so that I remember to do Mm -hmm. everything. I mean, I think a lot at night. (laughs) I just kind of have things running through my mind. So it just helps me to empty my mind of what I am thinking about for Mm -hmm. the next day, but also the next day when I get up and I have that list to go on, I feel like I can be so much more efficient with my time and more present with my kids because I'm not trying to figure out what comes next. (laughs) And like morning fog. Yes. And, and I also really like, um, I've kind of been doing this about once a month where on a Sunday afternoon, I will just go to a coffee shop for about two or three hours and Mm -hmm. leave the kids home with my, with my husband and just think about the month ahead. I do sometimes do meal planning at that time for the month. Sometimes I just am thinking about, you know, the things that we need to think about for each child and the challenges that they're having or scholastically different choices I want to make for our homeschool situation. And I think just having some dedicated space to think about how can I invest myself well in these coming weeks um, is a ritual that for me has become a really important part of navigating the season, especially with as many kids as I have. I feel like I, I can't think about vision casting all the time. (laughs) Um, But without a vision for what it is that I'm doing, it becomes really challenging to feel like I'm being successful at that. um, Or like I'm, I don't know, I try to, to look ahead and anticipate some of the things that I see ahead versus just reacting to everything after the fact. Yeah. I, um, there's a few things that come to mind for me that I do here. One is that I, which I know I've talked about on the podcast before, but Mm -hmm. I choose a word of the year every year. And I don't necessarily set out to relate it to motherhood, Mm -hmm. but it always does. And ironically, because of this is the conversation we're having today, my word for 2019 is rhythm. And I chose that because I really sensed that I needed some better Mm -hmm. rhythms and routines in my life. Um, rather than just kind of feeling like I was floating through each day aimlessly, you know? Um, 
I you I do um twice a week I go sit at a coffee shop and I that's kind of my writing time and my creative time but I do also take a few minutes while I'm there to sort of mm-hmm. plan the week ahead to look mm-hmm. at the calendar and my to-do list and sort of reevaluate and I try at the beginning of every month to just sort of identify what the priorities are that month whether it like in August it was getting ready for some guests to come because we had visitors and it was getting my husband off to a good start at his new job and Ian off to a good start at school. Kind of just like big picture things that they're not to-do list items, but they do sort of help frame and prioritize all that other stuff. And so it's kind of helpful for me to think in terms of like a month Mm -hmm. at a time and just sort of plan in that way. Um, I do know that our, our, one of our former writers in residence, mm-hmm. Patty, she, um, plans 90 days at a time. She kind of takes once every, I guess it's like maybe every quarter she, um, goes and takes a day or an afternoon to herself. And she kind of looks at the next 90 days and plans mm-hmm. in those chunks. Um, and I've talked to her about that in the past, which I think that it probably is a bit of trial and error, you know, figuring out like what amount of mm-hmm. time works best for you. Um, but for me, I think like looking at the month ahead is usually a pretty good, um, a pretty good rhythm, but I do like to include my, my word of the year as sort of a overarching filter. vision for the year. Yeah. Filter. It's a good word for it. Yeah, I sort of do. I sort of do like all of those things I do. I, I don't know. I just kind of dig that stuff anyway. Um, partly because like, like we said, I don't do very well creating my own scaffolding. Um, so I have to be really intentional about it. So I will do a yearly thing and then like I do, um, power sheets. And so every quarter there's like a refresh where you kind of reevaluate all the things. And, um, and every month I do some planning for the month ahead. And every Sunday I kind of sit down and look at the week and every night I look at tomorrow. Cause I just, I, <laughs> I just really have to be on top of myself or th- stuff isn't going to get done and my life is going to fall to pieces. <laughs> yeah. I, I just wanted to mention that as we talk about these things that, um, it, you know, I think rhythms and routines, like some people do these things really, really well. And I've had to myself come to a place where I learn to be inspired by them and not discouraged that I can't do mm-hmm. what it seems like they're doing. Yes. <laughs> and so just a couple uh, notes that I made is just when you are hearing someone talk about rhythms and routines or things of repetition that they do well in their lives, that it's really good to just draw from that what is useful and adapt it to your own Mm -hmm. situation. And then just go ahead and leave the rest behind Mm -hmm. because it's not a commentary on what you're not doing well. It just maybe you have a really different style and approach to the way that your family works and that's really okay. And I also just wanted to say that I have also learned to not measure my success by the adherence to a structure or routine, mostly because, you know, we might have a great routine going for like two weeks and then it gets completely like turned upside down for one reason or another. And Mm -hmm. that can be really frustrating when you feel like you're in a groove and then your groove gets disrupted. (laughs) And, um, but for me, I just think it's, it helps to, 
kind of measure success by, I try to start and end well. So if we're starting the day, I'm trying to start not way behind on sleep as much as it's up to me. Um, like there's part of that that is not in my control, but you know, if I am consistently going to bed really late and it's, I'm not getting enough rest and those are, are my choices. Um, I feel like that's up to me to make a change there, which is something that has happened this summer out of necessity is just, right. I, I don't know. And this isn't going to be airing until November, but we're recording this in August, just so y'all know. Because it is summer here right now. Um, yeah, I just, I, I try to also end the day well and, you know, just circle back with a kid if I had some stuff with them that day or uh, whatever is going to help invest in our relationship and our love for one another. Um are things that I try to do well and knowing that the middle of the day may be a total mess. <laughs> you know, most likely it is because <laughs> that's just how it works when you have a big family, at least. Um, and I guess my other last thought on this is that I have learned sometimes painfully that my own habits, my own rituals for myself um, really impact everyone else in my house. And you know, that can come with a lot of pressure, like you have to do it right, you know, and I don't mean it in that way. But I do just recognize that what I bring to our household every day, the things that I do or don't do um, to help just establish a sense of everybody knows what what is happening. You know, I've, I've started just really explaining to my kids what's coming up next, you know, like, okay, we're going to be out for the day. I need you to get your water bottle, your jacket, make sure you're wearing your, you know, good tennis shoes, not your sandals or whatever the specific things might be. And just, um, I guess my big epiphany has really been that leadership principles apply in the home. <laughs> like, yeah. um, like cool. trying to inspire my kids towards what I desire for them versus just giving orders. And I don't know, there's, there's a lot to that, but I just think we can bring yeah. a lot. I think that's really wise. And I think that kind of relates back to what we were talking about at the beginning, like why this idea of liturgy matters when we're talking about motherhood, right? Because it's not supposed to be about like, these are just the routines and the habits that we got into. And this is just how we do it around here. But all of those things, they serve a purpose, right? They're meant to remind us of the bigger vision. Mm -hmm. They're meant to remind us of what's really important, whether that's in our faith or whether it's in our families. Yeah. And so I think that is, that's, that's really wise to just remember that like the reason any of this stuff matters is not so we can be the most productive version of ourselves or have the most well-behaved children or any of those things. But it's about, um, it's about the vision that we have for our family, mm -hmm. right. And what we're, where we're headed. Um, and so I think that, yeah, any of these rhythms or routines, whether we're good at them or not so great at them, like we think about them because it's like that idea of beginning with the end in mind, you know, it's sort of like, where are we headed and what are we trying to accomplish? Yeah. I wanted to throw out there as Emily was talking about like ending and beginning the day well. Um, one thing that I adopted that's been, it's been probably a few years now, um, that's been really helpful to me is sort of the like biblical Old Testament Jewish concept of the day where the day ends mm -hmm. at, or the mm -hmm. day starts at sunset the day before. Um, so when I consider my day as both mm -hmm. starting and ending in the evenings, um, 
I can't quite verbalize why it has made such a difference. But when I go, like when I wake up in the morning, having already started this day, um, it feels, it feels Mm. much smoother. The other thing is Lindsay and Emily, both as you're talking about liturgy and like how your personal habits and your personal leadership are, um, important for the running of the family and how, how you, really are leading. I am realizing within my own family, while I am not good at um, imposing any sort of structure on my family necessarily, like just the basic, you know, food and sleep sort of routines is what we have. Um, But I find that if I put some structure around my own personal self, um, if I do a couple of minutes of silence before the kids get up or you know, make sure I take a minute to read in the afternoon before, you know, while the little two are down or whatever. And just having those rhythms in place for me, even though they don't really obviously affect the kids, um, it changes the the tone of the household. Yeah, I think that that's really good. And I really appreciate what you guys have shared on this. Um, We're gonna have to wrap it up now because our time is winding down. But I am just really grateful um, for your sharing and your thoughts on this because I think motherhood is really challenging (laughs) in and of itself. And I think routines. I think most people can recognize that there's some benefit in them, but I also think that it can feel like a lot of pressure if we have to, you know, figure this out. And it's something we need to do perfectly right every time that rhythms and routines are something that are very squishy, are very adaptable, are something that you can Mm -hmm. change one little piece of the puzzle and it might click and fit again. Um, Whereas, you know, there are some bigger transitions in life that are much more jarring switch and change. But um, I guess just taking in all of these ideas you guys have shared, just I think I want to encourage moms to not let it feel like a big, heavy, hard thing you have to do, (laughs) but to just evaluate and see what is serving you, what is working well for you. And um, if something is not working, not being afraid to try something different. Today we're talking about the gift of repetition, a liturgy of motherhood, and I'm really excited to have a guest with me who knows a lot about liturgy and motherhood together and just excited to hear thoughts from her about her experience. Jen Giles Kemper is here to chat with us. Jen, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted. Well, I'm so thrilled to get to know you a bit and hear about your experience. Um, I would love for you to give our listeners an idea of where you're at in your motherhood journey and why liturgy has become an important part of your life. Well, I'm about two and a half years into motherhood. In Mm -hmm. fact, I think we're almost to the day. Mm -hmm. And um, we kind of had an unconventional journey into parenthood. We became um, certified as foster parents, and I had known since middle school, um, that I felt really called for adoption to be a part of my life story. And it was something that my husband and I talked about extensively before we got engaged and married and that we knew was going to be a part of our journey, but, um, the when and how it, we didn't know until it was time to start walking that path. And then as we went along, um, we really felt like fostering was going to be our step into, 
um, openness to adoption. And we finished that certification process. And then, um, the following day, our, our nephew, um, was left in our care. And, um, that actually began what turned out to be our, our journey into parenthood. Mm -hmm. Um, he joined our family by adoption a while later, but that was the very beginning. And he was 21 months old at the time and could not have been a bigger gift to, to our family. We've been so grateful for his presence. It certainly has come with, um, some challenges. We, we, we're told all sorts of things um, about how to care for children who are part of foster care. And so much of that was helpful. And so much of it was completely unhelpful when you're also um, navigating what it's like to maintain family relationships with people you love right. already, who are already a part of your life. Mm-hmm. But I think actually the the liturgy of motherhood has included, for <laughs> and of parenthood has included a lot of gifts and graces Mm. that were unique because of the uniqueness of the situation. For sure. And then um, not long after Guy joined our family, we found out we were pregnant. Very, we were very surprised about that. (laughs) Um, That had been something that we had been hoping for for a long time as well as adoption. And I, I definitely feel like there are two separate callings. Um, For us, it was never, it was never the case that because we hadn't gotten pregnant, um, we felt open to adoption. It was, it was just sort of two two parallel journeys for us. Yeah. Certainly, certainly people can, can come to their own conclusions and move into motherhood and parenthood in any number of ways. But for us, it was two parallel journeys, not the same path. And, um, yeah. So then we found out we were pregnant and welcomed our son Giles. Not long after that, of course, Giles is my maiden Mm -hmm. name. And then, yeah, before I was done nursing Giles, we were very surprised to find out we were about four and a half months pregnant with our newest little baby who's now two weeks old today. So we went from no children to three boys in two and a half years. (laughs) So it's been pretty quick. (laughs) Wow. I am so excited for you and just love hearing how God has woven that story in your life in a way that you didn't plan, but is unique and beautiful in your own experience. So thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. I want you to to tell our listeners a little bit about Sacred Ordinary Days, because that is how I originally got connected with you for this conversation. And I'd really love to know how Sacred Ordinary Days came about and um, why it is you have committed yourself to pouring into these resources uh, that you've been creating for people. Yeah, Sacred Ordinary Days is our business slash ministry that came out of my experience working as a spiritual director. Um, Mm -hmm. My background is in ministry. I thought I was going to be a pastor, love teaching and preaching and love working in staff development and totally thought that was going to be my life. My dad's a minister of education. Mm -hmm. And um, so I grew up in a ministry family and saw that up close and until college never considered it as a potential path for my life. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I just didn't grow up in context where women were in leadership in ministry. Mm -hmm. And um, it wasn't until college that I began to really kind of wrestle with that theology and um, ultimately felt felt called to to pursue ministry. But as I continued to walk that path, the question that kind of kept rearing its head for me was, um, (laughs) what about business? (laughs) It felt like 
it felt like something I was supposed to learn and it just kind of kept landing in my lap. Yeah. Um, even though it's funny in college, I thought engineering and business were so boring that I wouldn't even date anybody. <laughs> it was an engineering school or the business school. And now yeah. I am an entrepreneur married to an engineer. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, but yeah, kind of those two kept getting woven together for me that, um, I'm an extrovert. I know I do my best work with a small team and very collaboratively and the types of churches that would call me in a ministry capacity, um, in most cases would not be the types of churches that could support a large staff or a small staff. And Mm -hmm. I would probably just be solo out in the middle of, of nowhere. Um, and I just knew that that was not the way that God hardwired me (laughs) um, to be happiest or or to do my best work. And so Along the way, um, I had several different businesses, um, did wedding and event planning. And um, from that, my business grew. And so I kept having people ask me to do small business coaching with them. And from that, um, people kept saying, why are you calmer and happier um, and more centered than most of the other entrepreneurs I know? Can you teach me, like, can you teach me that? Yeah. And so I started sharing with them a number of spiritual practices and prayer practices um, that had really become central to my life and to my foundation and that really had allowed me to live with um, more peace and purpose and really full presence, I think, is, is the main thing. Um, mm-hmm. Just able to be fully present to the people in my life and the work in my life in a way that I had not been able to before. And through those experiences, I then had several friends say like, you know what you're doing is is spiritual direction and it's a thing. And I was like, what is spiritual direction? <laughs> um, and so came, came to start meeting with a spiritual director myself. And my experience with it has been that it's another person to walk alongside you and help you reflect and discern, help you enter into different prayer practices or different approaches to reading scripture. It's a little bit of a misnomer because the actual director in the relationship is God. Um, The other person does not actually direct you in in a particular sense. They really are just to walk alongside you and help you notice and listen. Mm -hmm. And I found that, um, Going to a spiritual director was such a meaningful, became such a meaningful part of my life mm-hmm. that then when I, I kept having people ask me for this, I went and got trained as a spiritual director and started working in that capacity. Um, but I noticed that both in my capacity as a small business coach and consultant and in my capacity as a spiritual director, that people would come to me for weekly sessions or monthly sessions or even kind of several day long kind of more intense sessions where you were on a multi-day retreat or, or something like that. And in, in really every case, I noticed that the people that I was meeting with didn't need more books to read. Mm-hmm. They didn't need a constant slew of new practices. What they needed was tools to help them go deeper into the things that they already knew worked. Mm-hmm. So that rather than having to do all of the work to, you know, constantly be flitting between different prayer practices that really they could just sink deeper and deeper into, into one or into a few or find a mm-hmm. rhythm where they could work together that could also usher them into various seasons of their life and work and family life. Right. Um, and so that's where the, that's where sacred ordinary days came from. Um, mm-hmm. It's a planner 
that is built on a bunch of really ancient practices and tools and rhythms um, that the church has used Mm -hmm. across generations, across denominations, um, and really um, around the world. And um, I'm proud that nothing that we have in there is new, although I certainly hope that we have put it together in such a way that it people can learn for right. the very first time um, these practices and rhythms or that people who for whom they are entirely familiar, um, so familiar as to perhaps even become have become rote, that they could still learn something and deepen their practice. And our, the feedback over the last couple of years since we launched in September 2015 has been that it's doing that for people, which is um, really encouraging. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. I would love to know now that you've been stepping into motherhood and experiencing all of the daily care of little ones, relating some of the ideas of your practices that bring you peace and help you be centered to your role as a mother. One of the things that growing up, I got a great dose of from my family life and our church life was that I learned how to pray. Um, and I felt calm and confident um, speaking to God and bringing myself into the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize how rare that can be to not feel intimidated or overwhelmed or fearful, um, but to trust a God that is loving and that is interested in the particulars of my life. And that allowed me to bring those to God, confident that God cared. What I did not get a big dose of growing up were different ways to pray. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is something that I have tried to offer our children um, alongside what my parents gave me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so our four-year-old, I pray the examine with him and Mm -hmm. have have taught him how to, to pray the examine. Now, he would never, if you said something about the prayer of examine to him, he yeah. would have no idea what you're talking about. Of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I don't use that language. It's not important and it would not serve him well. Mm. But the prayer of the examine of conscience is a way of bringing your day mm-hmm. or um, a recent period of time in your life to God and into God's presence and um, ask for God to join you in examining it. So that um, rather than going back through, for example, your day and only being able to focus on where you messed up or where you wish you'd done something differently or whatever it is that your particular personality tends to focus on. And of course, for everyone, it's different. Yeah. It's a type of prayer that allows you to come to see your days more as God sees them. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine um, Jen Wilhoyt at Cobbleworks mm-hmm. um, has created a bunch of really beautiful tools and resources around praying the exam and that make it easy to understand, easy to pick up, easy to try out, um, but is also really rich and deep. And um, I came across her a couple of years ago when I was looking for tools to share um, different prayer practices with Guy in ways that were you know, friendly to a little kid. Yeah. And I came across her examine prayer doll. And so that was initially something that I started using with Guy. And then, um, we've now added them to our shop. Mm -hmm. Um, 
because I just found it's such a helpful way. It, it gives a tangible something for a kid to hold and focus on while they're praying rather than having everything be really abstract. Um, and it also makes their day the kind of the meat that they're praying with rather than, again, something more abstract that they're just sort of having to conjure up in their mind. And so that's been for one way that I have, I've tried to share my faith with our son. And I can tell on the days that he's really amped up and it's certainly not something that we do every day or even Mm -hmm. every week, but in particular on the days that he's really amped up or when he's really chatty, it's been a great way to, to draw him out and to also help him kind of focus his energy and, um, think back on what worked and what didn't work. And, Hmm. um, and the exam and practice is also, it's a weekly staple in our planner. Um, Mm -hmm. And I found that weekly is, is the rhythm that works best for me. Awesome. Yeah. So it's been, it's been neat to share that with him. Some of the other rhythms in our family life are, I don't know. I, I really like to encourage people to pay attention to what season you're in Mm -hmm. and to not adopt a practice or a rhythm just because you saw someone else do it or heard them talk about it Mm -hmm. um, and feel like it's a must or a should by any means. Mm -hmm. But um, listen and notice what the people around you and the people you're learning from, um, what their character is like and how happy they are, how joyful they are, how centered they seem to be, and take all that into consideration when you're taking their uh, recommendations. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's so wise. I think, I think it can be easy to um, get to a place of desperation when you haven't slept much or when you feel like all the things you thought would work aren't mm-hmm. working. Yeah. Um, and that's been my experience in some seasons that I – I'm a very different parent than I expected myself to be. (laughs) Um, I totally thought I was going to be calm and confident and that my kids would respect my authority, but that it would be a very, you know, a very naturally loving relationship. And I'll say the very naturally loving part is absolutely true, but because I tend to um, come across more authoritative at times, I've really like been afraid of, being too much that way. Yeah. And as a result, I've totally sent mixed signals, Mm. um, which means that then there's some pushback when I'm, um, when I'm needing to hold some firm boundaries. And I have been so grateful for a husband, a partner in parenting that is really naturally good at the things that I struggle with and vice versa. Yes. (laughs) Um, it is, it has made figuring this parenthood thing out much easier. And I think has also allowed us to give ourselves and our children more grace in the process. Hmm, that's beautiful. And I, I totally resonate with what you say about becoming a different mother than you maybe thought you would be. I think we all have ideas of what this job entails and what our role is supposed to look like. And then we have the actual little people in front of us and it might be a whole different ball game at that point. I think most often it is. I know that, you know, stepping into motherhood and I'm now with seven children and so I'm mothering a large household. And so I am probably more authoritative than I would prefer to be, but it just takes that to get the train moving in the right direction. And so I definitely feel that same tug of having a gentleness and also 
you know, just having leadership skills yeah. <laughs> on display yeah. because that's what they need. Um, I also know that it can be really challenging to go through day after day of caring for kids where there is a lot of repetition. And I, I've been thinking about um, kind of the relationship between repetition being a gift and also repetition being monotony. You know, one kind of moves in a direction of seeing all the positives and having a chance to start again each day. And one, when we let the negativity come in, you know, and it becomes monotony and drudgery, I would love for you to talk about how you see repetition as a gift that we can offer our children um, and maybe even it as a gift to ourselves versus seeing the process as monotonous? I'll confess that I am not naturally a routine, systematic, always do it the exact same way person. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been something that um, the last couple of years of my life have required of me as a business owner and now as a parent mm-hmm. to learn and become more that way. And I fought it. Um, I fought it for a while. I I love spontaneity and I love um, room to be creative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no matter no matter what personality schematic you look like, I tend to be the one that uh, I tend to fall on the side that that challenges, that wants room for creativity, that um, wants to mix it up. And so, in that way, I I think I'm sort of an unlikely cheerleader or hype girl for liturgy. (laughs) Um, but I'll say that I think it's because of that, that I can talk about what a gift it is, even if you're not naturally been that way. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we, we try to think of our family life in rhythms and seasons, and that helps me hold a large enough, um, space Mm -hmm. that it actually feels spacious and gracious to me to enter into rhythms and routines that are smaller. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I think of things in a matter of minutes or hours or every Monday or, you know, for this, for this block of time every day, um, if I think of it in those smaller, more easily quantifiable metrics, I feel, I personally feel really boxed in and I do feel bored and resentful and frustrated. Mm. And, um, it makes me resist the rhythms and routines that really make our family work Mm -hmm. and that make it a loving, safe, welcoming, hospitable place to be for us and for, for other people. Whereas if, if I can embrace thinking in terms of seasons and larger rhythms, Mm -hmm. um, yearly rhythms, then that gives me all the space to breathe I need. Um, and that's something that a wise woman shared with me a couple of years ago when I was really feeling frustrated with the number of diapers or, (laughs) um, yeah, just the monotony of the sameness of every day. Right. Another thing that has really helped me embrace the smaller rhythms and routines is just doing my best to be fully present. I find that if I if I just sort of check out and go through the motions, mm-hmm. then it is easy for resentment and frustration to build up. Yeah. And it's also really easy for things to get off track in my own heart and mind and soul. Um, whereas the more fully present I can be to myself, um, to my children, to my husband, um, to our neighborhood and church and 
and friends, yeah. the less likely I am to be frustrated. Um, there is a lot of sameness and that's okay. That's just the season of life. <laughs> well, I love what you said about that. I think it's really insightful to talk about presence as an antidote to monotony because I think the meaning of life happens in our noticing of what is beautiful and sacred and fleeting the time that we have, even though it's, it's very monotonous day to day to do the dishes again and to clean up the toys again and to wash the laundry again, that we, if we're not noticing the things that are beautiful in the season, that it's, if it's just the tasks that like guts the whole day of the meaning and the connection and the relationship and the discoveries and the moments of wonder that our kids experience as they learn a new skill or read something in a book that just lights them up. And um, so I really love that you said that because I think it's really insightful to see that it's it's not necessarily that we need to escape the life that we're in. So we need to notice the beauty in the, the ordinary places and so I really, really loved that um, insight that you shared. I would love for you to get really, really practical in your day-to-day, like your story, your motherhood journey. What are some of the practices that have helped you thrive as a mom? One is not buying into anybody else's version of motherhood, mm-hmm. um, lock, stock, and barrel. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, considering the source and considering what it is about their family life that I admire, what it is about the woman or the, the person that I admire mm-hmm. um, and taking that into consideration before I, <laughs> before I take any advice on. Mm-hmm. Um, but then companioned with that is I do a lot of noticing and I do a lot of question asking. Um, so I'm constantly asking people, whether it's in the grocery store or, um, you know, firing off an email or in an Instagram comment or pulling people aside after church. Um, I wish I had, more coworkers to do that with at the moment. Our team is just my husband and I, mm-hmm. and we're getting ready to do a big batch of hiring. So I hope I'll have coworkers to ask, but mm-hmm. I just do a lot of questions. I'm like, okay, how did you make that work? Or how did you make that decision? Or, um, yeah, so I do a lot of question asking a lot of noticing, but then I, I filter it. And so that that's a big thing. Um, and I find that I tend not to, I tend not to be jealous pretty much ever of other people's lives. I mean, you know, I struggle with other things for sure. That just happens not to be a thing that I struggle with. Yeah. Um, but I think those two things help me because if, if somebody else is doing something well, that I would like to do a better job of, I just ask, um, or I, or I take notes and I'm an experimenter too. So, Mm -hmm. um, I also will try different things out and see what works. And then I feel no shame or guilt letting go of things that just really do not work for me. Um, And the other is to be a full partner with my husband in the, in the work of our family. We've worked really hard um, for a number of years to put ourselves in a position so that by the time we had kids, we could both be fully present Mm -hmm. to them. And um, I'm so grateful that that has worked and there will certainly be other seasons in our life, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. right now we both work full time from home and are both able to, to be a part of all those small daily things. Mm-hmm. And um, that's another thing that just really practically speaking has been super helpful for me is to let my husband be amazing at the things that he's naturally amazing at. Mm-hmm. And um, that has let me 
chill (laughs) and and take a step back. Uh Um, and things that I always assumed perhaps when I was a mother would be my responsibility. Um, and they just aren't. And so, I mean, we, we share chores and responsibilities around the house. I haven't washed a dish and I don't know how long (laughs) except for very occasionally, but I do all of our laundry. Um, and, um, he handles, um, a lot of our finances, but we work on a daily and weekly level, um, to figure out really what our values are and what we're prioritizing at a given time Mm -hmm. and to make not only our time and energy match what we say our values are, um, but also our money and our other resources, our time, our energy, our expertise, our education, you know, your, your resources really encompass a lot more than, than we tend to think of, um, kind of at first glance. And so those are, those are my small, but big things. It's like, yeah, to not take blind advice, um, to ask lots of questions. Yeah. To experiment and try things out and then to be, to be a full partner. Another, another thing that has really worked well for me is, um, we kind of have focus days and they allow us to, to keep a larger rhythm. Mm -hmm. So, um, we know that, on Monday nights, we're going to have dinner with my parents. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday nights, we're going to have dinner with Grant's family. On Wednesday nights, um, at least in this season of our life, we're a part of a weekly small group, life together group mm-hmm. um, with folks from church. And we know that those three things are priorities for us. Mm-hmm. Those are big rocks. Yeah. And so we we place other things around them. But we have similar rhythm or focus days in terms of chores, like on Fridays, I strip all the sheets and towels and mm-hmm. wash all of those, for Very example. Nice. And so whether it's chores around the house um, or errands, you know, we have one day a week that we do grocery shopping. Um, and then also in my work life, um, mm-hmm. I have I have one day a week that I'm focused on creating resources around our planner. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another day that I really focus on the administrative and kind of business of the business stuff. I have another day that I tend to take a lot of calls and meetings and having blocks allows me again, that deep presence, mm-hmm. um, to be fully all in and whatever it is I'm doing. And that, that has helped. Awesome. I really love that. And so many words of wisdom in there. And I appreciate you sharing. Um, as we wrap up our time, I want to be sure that people can find you and Sacred Ordinary Days online, if you don't mind sharing where they can do that. Of course. Um, sacredordinarydays.com mm-hmm. um, will take you to lots of different resources about cultivating rhythms that are life-giving for the season you're in and that can be flexible and move with you as you change seasons, whether that's a change in season of motherhood or um, work life, some other part of family life Mm -hmm. or anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, We're also on social media everywhere as Sacred Ordinary Days where it fits and um, on Pinterest and Twitter where all of those letters don't fit in Sacred Ordinary Days. Um, And then we have a pretty lively community that uses our Sacred Ordinary Days hashtag Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And our email list is for sure where you um, 
can can be sure not to miss out on any of the stuff that we're sharing. Wonderful. Well, I will include links to all of those things in the show notes for this episode. So if anybody is interested in connecting with Jen or seeing more of what she's created to develop routines in your life that serve you, um, you can find that all in the show notes. And Jen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lovely conversation.